You know, I was thinking just before I went for a walk to get some coffee and I was thinking that if aliens came down from outer space, I, I think I would be way less stressed just in my everyday life. You mean like if you could just have it confirmed, yes, aliens, they're here, they're queer, get used to it. Um, <laughs> I hope they're que- Well, they are kind of queer. <laughs> but we know that they're into like butt stuff, so it, they're at least on the spectrum, right, the Kinsey scale. Yeah. Um, no, the, I meant like if they actually if, started to like, if they actually if they made were, contact. You'd just be like, oh, that's a relief. Because I, was, because I think like if... If I'm like thinking like, I don't know, I'm like worried about like I haven't paid this bill. Like, yeah, but aliens are here. So it, would it be a, would it be nice in in the sense of like just some some global context, just a little bit of like why am I worrying about whether I can not I whether or not I can live in my house? Exactly. There's aliens here. Yeah, it would just diminish every worry that I have. But would it not bring other kind of concerns and and troubles to the earth? Mm-hmm. Because traditionally speaking, the human race is not terrifically good at welcoming outsiders. Uh, don't you feel no like it would set up like the the world into a, a more heightened kind of worrisome Panic. state? Panic, yeah. I've found that in my life, the more stressed out or the more panicked people are, the the, the less stressed I am. <laughs> you you would you in the case of a fire be the one being like, "All right, mate, here's the exit. Come on, out you yeah. go. Sirens off." Yeah, I think I would. What about in the case of like a bodily emergency? Like you just saw someone get hit by a car. Would you be the person who could be like, all right, I'm going to go do first aid or, okay, no. you, you hop on, uh, you call triple zero and um, you come with me. We're going to do some uh, first responder shit. No, I would faint. You would faint? Yeah, I'm a fainter. Are you actually a fainter? Yeah, I'm really a fainter. In what, how do you know this? What, when have you previously fainted? Fainted like ten times in my life. That's a really? lot, I think. I faint at the sight of blood. Yeah, just generally. It's like probably the worst part about my personality. <laughs> well, it's not a personality trait. <laughs> it's not fixable. Tell that to my Tinder profile. <laughs> Your Tinder profile just says faints at the sight of blood. <laughs> <laughs> really, just get, get it the out of the way now. Yeah, I just need <laughs> it's to put gonna this come on up. the table. <laughs> I can't eat a raw steak. Um, yeah, I got a little bit of a um, yeah. little bit of table blo- table business to to get through. Um, table business, a little bit of a um, like follow up from previous previous episodes. Are you going to do that now? Well, I feel like table I've kind business. Of <laughs> table business. business to be tabled. I don't know. I appreciate that that is possibly a clunky phrasing. I've got a bit of a. Got a bit of table business to bring to the table, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> okay. Yes. Suboptimal. I hear it. I take it back. It'll. I'll leave it in the edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> most of my editing is just to make me seem better. Um, yeah. And you finally got. I'm me actually. Saying it. I'm actually the articulate one. Guys. <laughs> okay. I can. 
Anyone could edit the podcast to yeah. make any side look however they want. That's part of the fun. I don't have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. My agenda is truth. Next agenda is to make himself look good. That's fine. I'm so comfortable with that. It's a, it's a workable dynamic. Draw your own conclusions. That's what I'm saying. Um, so I've got two follow-ups from previous podcasts. First one, um, tried the reverse wipe. You know, post-podcast last time, we were talking about the, the back-to-front wipe. <laughs> Pleasantly surprised. No. Pleasantly surprised. I thought you. I thought this is this is what are the one of the benefits here, but there is something to be said. Starting closest to you and pushing away, it's somehow easier. I'm not saying I, I necessarily like sub it in every time. I'm going to try, and, but I feel like right I feel like you know to mix no. it up a little bit. I just tried bad. just then, and it's not. It's not. Well, you haven't tried you have properly, to, have you? You have to. Wait, are you I'm reaching in front? Are you reaching yeah. in front, or you're reaching behind? Oh, you can't reach in from front. Behind. No, no, no. You got to. You got to oh. reach from behind. So oh, this fuck is the. What? No, this is stupid. Wait, you you wipe from in front? Wait, no, no, I don't. Yeah, I was just trying to do that. Yeah. With the... So you, you, it's got to be from behind, and then moving forward. That's actually that's not. But you have to do it from the side. Dude, there's no way that works. You got look. I, look, I gave it a try for the interest of science. I suggest you do, give it the same. Here's my well, other you're not suggestion. Stick with it. You're not going to stick with it. No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just mix it up. Some days I feel like you know what. Let's just give this. You know, it's like using your left hand. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. It was. Um, got another suggestion for you as well, just to really spice things up in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> yes. Concentric yeah, spirals in the bathroom. Concentric spirals start at the side, and then wind in like a whirlpool. You know, start from the start from the the furthest reaches, the potential splash damage. Work your way in in a circular motion to hit the mm-hmm. you know the critical juncture. Okay, I can if we're gonna if we're gonna be if we're gonna be brainstorming of creative ways to wipe your anus. Depending on the depending on the poo. Um, would you ever consider a fold, right? And this has got to be for kind of diuretic situations. Ooh, I don't know if that's, that's the right word. word. That sounds no. like Scientology. Um, <laughs> Dianetics? Dianetics is Scientology. Diarrhea right. is a poop situation. Mm-hmm. The second one. Okay. For that um, situation. A fold and a clench and just let it absorb. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it sit there for a bit. <laughs> let it do the work. <laughs> yeah, that's totally right. Why are we spending all this time and like energy moving it around when we could just clench, do, practice our kegels, and just do. just let it do the work for once? Wow, this has already been a productive podcast, and we're like six minutes in. <laughs> uh, item of tabling number two, mm-hmm. and this one's quite exciting. Okay. I did it. I fucking did it, Michael. I yeah. got a high five on the run. No, you didn't. I did. I did. <laughs> I did it earlier this week. And let me tell really? you, let me tell you, I was a leaping for joy. <laughs> you can see it on my face. Even now, the moment is bringing me happiness. I can. It's written all over you. I can I, always tell for some, some reason. Somehow. I was, I was going for a run. 
And, you know, sometimes you, you, you see someone coming the other way and you think that's not the right person. I'm not going to try this. I'm, I'm willing, but I don't think they're able. Let's, let's, let's wait for the right time. Then I saw her, you know. Her. Her. She was running towards me and I, you know, thought last time, Last time I found last time it was a guy. It was a him. Okay. Yeah, I think there was her. a bit too much alpha energy between us. There was a little bit of like who's in charge here, who's... Naturally. Yeah. Who's on, you know, who's in control of where the sci-fi uh, is. Can you describe this woman? She me? was demographically sort of my equal. I, I was like, okay, yep, in her 20s, good. You know, obviously athletic tick, just like me. <laughs> Um, okay. running at a sort of similar pace. So it wasn't like a like an overtaking car on the freeway. It was... Gangly? Not too gangly. No, no. Um, yeah, just athletic. Um, and it was like a clear day. So we'd, we'd spotted each other for a while. It when wasn't that important. kind of like surprise. It wasn't like we were, you know, we jumped each other. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, saw it coming and shared a glance. And then I thought, this is it. This is, I can tell... She's ready for this. Raised the hand up. It, she was looked. That the cue and there was for her. that was the cue for her. And there was like a little bit of a, a uh, sort of a, a seconds pause, and you could see in her face like, "What's happening now?" But then, like, it clicked. It clicked, and she was like, "I get this. Finally, someone else to deliver this dream to me." She raised her hand. We ran past each other. High five. She, perfect speed. Laugh? Perfect collision. Did she laugh? No, she practically flipped with excitement. I mean, I'm imagining that. I'd, you know, by, I'd obviously passed her. But didn't I. Didn't look back? Didn't look back. No, that's. Didn't look you, back. No, you, cool key. guys don't look at explosions, Michael. Hells yeah, they don't. You, you just got to keep running. You know that it was cool. You don't that's, need proof. That's cool guy one on one. That's cool guy one on one. So, got the, got the high five, <laughs> and I practically skipped all the way home. It, it filled me with energy, filled me with excitement. I thought, I've done it. I've peaked. Why, why would I go for a run ever again? <laughs> As if that was the purpose of running was, to, was for a high five. To all those uh, aspiring runners out there, let me just be the one to say, you could do it. You, could, you can get that high five. You, if you believe in yourself and you persevere and you put in the work, anyone can high five. You're an inspiration to everyone, Nick. Thank you very much. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Five years. Oh, yeah. Five years. Cheers to that, Michael Zabrecki. On the day of recording, though not the day of release of this podcast, five years. 2014, we launched this thing, and here we are, 113 episodes later. Crazy. Still alive. I thought of a good longer than the other day. One of those generic longer thans. Um, this is a Thinky Talky podcast in which we discuss matters of great interest to ourselves and to the world, thus doing them a service and bringing peace to mankind. Sitting through the internet with me, Michael, say hi. What's up? Okay, that, this is for the fifth year anniversary. You're going to go with, you're going with what's up. What's up? What was that from? Is that from Scream? What's up? What's up? Wasab. Okay. Uh, and my name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. What is five years longer than Michael? Um. Fuck. Can't remember it. Perfect. This is the kind of content that keeps people coming back. It was good though. Just take my word for it. <laughs> Great. 
Um, in all seriousness, it's it's been quite an enjoyable few years. I'm glad that it exists, and I'm grateful for all of you out there who listen to this shit show. Pretty fun. We've been regular last few months, more or less. Yeah, last few really? years, really. It's it's been pretty pretty. As we've solid. gotten lonelier, clearly. As we've <laughs> pulled away from society <laughs> and clung closer to each other. Yeah. Um, never thought, never thought in a million years that. <laughs> a million years. <laughs> Never thought in a million years that we'd ever reach five years. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's our way with words. Of quality broadcasting. Yeah. Slash, um, I don't know, Just it's just straight up altruism <laughs> in a way. Yeah, it, yeah, that's a good way of framing it. People often ask us why we still do the show. I just say altruism. Just generosity. Yeah. Um, so this week, uh, we reached out to some of you, our loyal fans and listeners, um, who, you know, obviously we can't be as well kept and put together and successful as Michael and I, um, have a few problems in their lives, um, and needed a little bit of help. And Michael had the great idea. Well, we can help them. And I said, that's a great idea, Michael. So we put out the call and we got uh, we got a few questions come through to the mailbox. And I think this episode will just, you know, it's time after five years that we really give back to the community. Um, <laughs> Even though we just said that's all we do. That's, yeah, you've really but kind of we're ramping made up the, the subtext of text our... there. Um, but thank you. <laughs> Mailbag, mailbag, it's the weekly mailbag. Deep thoughts, mailbag. All right, what have jump, we got? jumping into the uh, old inbox. Uh, four emails. First email four. from a Mr. P. Pal. Dear Nicholas Shader, <laughs> we're making some pricing changes to our PayPal agreements. You can view these changes online. Please find an explanation of the changes on our policy updates page. Um, not really a question he's there. He's kind of missed the point, hasn't Mr. he? Mr. Powell, yeah. Uh, yeah. Seems, seems like he, he wasn't paying too much attention. Um, save that one for later, maybe. Well, yeah, we'll get back to that one. Um, uh, second email from a Mr. Benjamin. A Benjamin. Hi, Michael and Nick. That's our names. Seems believable. I'm writing in response to your invitation for discussion topics advertised on Facebook. I've long struggled a malaise. I've long struggled a malaise, and though it is unique to each individual exactly what makes up this vague sense of indefinable soft sadness, sometimes referred to as that void which each of us are blessed with in birth and that we are cursed to live with, a byproduct of consciousness, something innate and part of what Shakespeare so eloquently termed the human condition. How do both of you deal with this inescapable aspect of life? Do you dull it with work or drugs? What do you both think can be done to counteract this? Or is it something that every thinking man and woman is fatally designed to experience? Disquiet regards. Benjamin. Couple of questions. What What's the definition of malaise? Malaise is like a ennui, I think. Does that make it any easier? Like discomfort? It's like a discomfort. I thought it was just like, like a... Like unease? I always thought it was like an like like not not apathy, but like a like a really reserved kind of sad feeling. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like unhappiness. Here, yeah, in fact, I'll Google it. 
And two, he's... Unhappiness, he just... restlessness, uneasiness, unease, melancholy, depression, despondency. A general feeling of discomfort, illness, whose exact cause is difficult to identify. Okay. Well, he's just assumed that, every, that everyone has that. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Uh, how do you both deal with this inescapable aspect of life? Do you deal it with drugs or work? What do you th- both think can be done to counteract this, or is it something that every thinking man and woman is fatally de- designed to experience? Mm. I don't think. I don't think I suffer from malaise. Maybe you do, uh, MZ. At different points. Yeah, I, I don't say that really dominates my day to day life too much. Um, I think you're right that there are probably moments when I do feel that kind of disquiet, but I don't think anything at the level of uh, indefinable soft sadness that needs to be counteracted. Mm. I've I've definitely I've definitely felt like periods of sadness or un, un, feeling feeling unsettled is a is has come back. Quite a few, quite a few times, for me. Yeah, feeling restless. If that's what it is, that, that it does definitely include restlessness. I think, I think I'm able to. Uh, I think I have a general sense of what can be a cause of of that kind of feeling, which helps me to isolate and sort of box it away if I feel it. Kind that's of massive. Of, yeah, I think that's... If you can identify... That's emotional maturity. I think, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know how prevalent because it is or whether that is maturity or not, but... I've never... I, I've ne- I think I've only, I'm only just starting to get that. In, in a way, the sense of being able to recognize it just for what yeah, it is. To, to, in, in a, it, it, uh, the ability to identify what the root cause is. I was thinking the other day as well, like I'm, I'm so, I was so out of tune with even my body w- with regards to specific foods. I've only just realized now that foods that I've been eating my whole life uh, are making me... <laughs> Uh, making me feel a certain way. I'm like, oh, well, if I eat this food, I, um, yeah, Dianetics. If I eat this food, that's just how I feel. I feel, I get really stomach, I get real big stomach ache if I eat that food. But I've never, I've never avoided eating that food. I've always just been like, oh, that's just what happens. Yeah. What foods are you talking about? Bread. Bread. Yeah. Gluten. Yeah. But I'd rather, I don't want to be someone who's gluten free. So I'll just... (laughs) I don't want that <laughs> diagnosis. I'm just never so going to. So you just enjoy some plow pain. Through. Plow through. Wow. <laughs> That's a choice. Yeah. Um, to to return to, because I don't think I have like a, an, uh, a universal understanding of malaise, but I, I was circling to suggest one thing, which is that I I have a hypothesis that some of the anxieties and stresses and unease and ennui and depression and such that is seemingly 
relatively prevalent in our generation, if not all generations in this era. My hypothesis is that that is being accentuated by the sense of a lack of control. In you, and for you? For, ev- for within anyone. Oh. So I, I wonder if those feelings of... Uh, like, if you feel that you have agency over something, if you feel like you have the ability to change something or to right. m- make something happen, then I don't think you feel the same kind of sadness or grief about a problem. It's just a problem that's solvable, right? So yeah. I think some of the disquiet and the malaise is if, if you know, and I don't mean to speak for Ben here, but it's certainly in the instances in which I felt it, I wonder whether or not it is actually a reflection of feeling powerless in a certain aspect, certain undefinable aspect. And my hypothesis at the moment is that our generation in particular, but also in the context of um, the state of the world at the moment, it feels a bit like everything is perilous, that society is kind of approaching you know climate catastrophe or rolling away from democracy or these kind of you know big external factors which feel insurmountable as an individual individual um and i wonder if that kind of just permeates our psyche a little bit where it it feels like you can't make a difference it feels like things are happening to you without your control and whether that discomfort or the restlessness or the dissatisfaction or the unease or uncertainty is sort of manifested by that that sense of helplessness or lack of control. I think you're definitely right. I also I also think the the lack of help helplessness that is seemingly felt amongst our generation. Did you say the lack of helplessness? The feeling of helplessness. The feeling of helplessness. Uh. It's also, I mean, there's also an emphasis these days on victimhood, and it's. I feel like that is also like um, enabling this feeling of helplessness amongst uh, amongst young people as well. So I suppose my suggestion to Ben off the back of that is, if you are feeling moments of that, then why not try proactively joining something in the community that makes you feel like you're making a difference and whether that's volunteering at a soup kitchen or like enrolling in a political, you know, get up kind of movement or uh, making some art, which you put out into the world or, you know, something which gives you the sense of completion or satisfaction or, or change, whether that is a one way to try tackling Unease or but, restlessness. But that's if the if the unease is coming from an external source. I mean, Possibly what if it's internal. I mean, uh, look, the unease is internal, isn't it? It's it's a feeling. We're we're, we're diagnosing in hypotheticals here, so I, when I'm, when I'm you're suggesting saying, like when you're feeling I'm, when you don't have control, yeah, or agency, yeah, like. That finding a way in which control you can. over, control over. I mean, you've had anxiety before. Is that are you are you talking about like when you've had those 
um, panic attacks or, or whatever is that lack of control over your own body and your own mind? Uh, that, that's certainly a part of it. Um, in in the sense of panic attacks, often you don't you you don't actually know what the cause is. You can't yeah. really point to oh that's why that happened. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a process of dealing with it, knowing that you have you know a response mechanism in which you know okay i try to count my breath to seven and i slowly breathe in and then slowly breathe out or something like that that is applying control to a a circumstance where you're panicking right so systems and and that kind of thing which i suppose is is one application of that thing but uh, ultimately i don't think we can remote diagnose the source of unease for Ben in this instance or for anyone. My, uh, my hypothesis was more broadly a, 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 a just touching on a potential susceptibility of this generation and, and one way in which we might be able to address it through mm. proactive so, work. So your advice is, yeah, take, take control over one aspect of your life and be proactive about one thing that you can throw yourself into that, that you see results some in. of that yeah if if you're yeah uh, look again i'll restate it i can't i can't identify what the cause or symptoms of the this malaise is um just have a guess <laughs> no fuck uh, it. just have a guess no i mean <laughs> look i i've already given one hypothesis which is that you know an inability to feel like you have control over society or the world's direction um, I'm not going to go specifically like um, needing more professional satisfaction or something like that. It's it's too hard to say. And I think that's good. That's good advice. I think there's always going to be a inescapable part of that. You know, uh, if you're talking about that innate human condition thing, um, part of that is 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 never going to be over able to be overcome you know that that ultimately the human condition is connected to your own mortality and mortality is inescapable so anyone with a degree of awareness about their own mortality will always have some aspect of soft sadness in their life because they know that it's finite you're a wise man nick i don't know if that's helpful at all but it's helpful it was helpful to me well thank you um do dull it with work or drugs was her other question. Uh, what's no, your process <laughs> about this when you are when you are feeling the touch of it? Um, it, it definitely used to be um, get myself fucked up, but um, um, I when it, once I started exercising properly, to, it changed the way I dealt with those feelings. Because instead of, well, it took it took a while to actually get into the routine of properly exercising and turning to that or using that as an outlet for mm, frustration. Um, but that that became. I mean, I, I don't think I drink now to numb anything or to distract myself from problems i definitely did that 100 percent. but um 
I don't know. I think I think once you, I mean, you you soon realize if you, if you use that as a as a way to distract yourself, it it, it doesn't it doesn't actually work because it only prolongs the it only prolongs the um or it's basically just a form of procrastination. It doesn't solve the issue at all. You also get nothing done while you're doing that emotionally or you know just in a material sense you don't get any work done and then you wake up feeling shit um and it just basically compounds the problem so yeah, it's a bit of a cycle yeah it becomes a, it becomes a cycle and I, I can see how that that's i mean luckily for me it wasn't that difficult to get out of but um once i realized the value of exercise and that it was like is almost like using exercise as a drug. Like, oh fuck, this is actually making me feel good. This is making my head feel way clearer. Yeah, I'm also doing a lot of thinking. You know, while I'm exercising. Yeah, getting a lot of ex- ex- oxygen and stuff coming coming through the through the body and through my through my head, and mm. it just feels better. So it is, you know. Do, How? Do you, yeah, go on. Sorry to cut you off. Um, I think that's a really good suggestion as well. I, I mean, we know biologically that our bodies are meant to be moving and and obviously life these, these days is a lot more sedentary than, than it used to be. Um, my question for you, just out of curiosity, is how have you found exercise since quitting smoking? Did you notice a difference? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't do heaps of cardio. Um, I, I go for runs. Um, so that was obviously a, a big difference, but yeah, um, I, it, I haven't noticed a massive difference apart from I can my ability to run a bit longer. Yeah, that's it. Really. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, good question, Ben. Thank you for that. Who else can we save, Nick? <clears throat> Let us save uh, Jesse Davidson. Um, <laughs> Fuck it, there's no chance. <laughs> 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 he's um do you mean the singer songwriter singer songwriter wow. international superstar he is a bit he is a bit um good, beloved good songs jesse davidson sends an email it just says no subject in the subject line just the the classic brackets no subject um yes. ben obviously set a high standard here with some really sort of provocative and deep questions um, yeah. that I think we've been able to really kind of effectively chew over in a um, sort of wide-ranging and meaningful way. Jesse writes, why my PP come out yellow? <laughs> well, um, there's a couple of reasons. You might have had a Baraka. <laughs> Depends on the shade of yellow. Although the Barocco piss is like kind of like radioactive yellow. Yeah, it looks a little it's like bit. like Chernobyl green, Yeah, as they say in the biz. You know why that is? It's because that, those Barocas, because I, sometimes I see people have like two Barocas if they're really hungover Oof. or something. You know, one has just way more minerals and vitamins that your body can even take. That's why, that's why you're pissing out yellow. Oh, It's like one, it, one is even too one's much. One's enough, yeah. You yeah. don't need that second one. It's, but what does Barocca have in it? Is there energy as well? Like are they it's using like it for like a vitamin B and vitamin C? Sometimes they have guarana. But it's not like okay, yeah, guarana. 
would but obviously make you feel. I don't more think. Bro- I don't think that. I think they're special. Special ones. I mean, they do. Mm. They do kind of make you feel better. But I don't know. Maybe it's a placebo thing. Yeah. The other. The other. Maybe. Um, I mean, urine is an indicator of health. Yeah, and normal and healthy urine is pale yellow. And so I've, th- that, I've. That's the color that it should be. Yeah, I've. I've been around Jesse long enough to know that his diet is uh, not so good. So, Jesse, your pee-pee come out yellow because you're not taking care of, of what you put into your body. But yellow is the right color. Is, are you, is are you assuming that it's very yellow? Are you sh- assuming it's high on the, I've the seen, radiation? I've seen, I've seen Jesse's urine. <laughs> I have it's a vial like of dark, it right here. Dark yellow. If it's dark, then you're starting to get into the problem. I, I mean, mean is, it, is it meant to be yellow? I thought it was meant, meant to be, to be yellow. It's meant, no, it's not meant to be clear. No, it's meant to be yellow. Just well, a pale clear? yellow. Too much. Too much what? Too much water. You're too hydrated. Too hydrated is yellow. Yeah. If you're very Crazy. no no no. Too hydrated is clear. Yellow right. is the oh, yellow is yeah. the goal. If it's yellow, you're a good fellow. That's how I remember it. If it's um, clear, go have a beer. You're too hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> um it's yellow because it contains urobalins. Um it's obviously the, the broken down products of bilirubin, which itself is the broken down product of old blood cells. So bilirubin is what gives color to bile and bruises and feces and that sort of stuff. And that gets broken down by the gallbladder and the intestines and excreted by the bowel. Um, but some of it stays in the blood, which is picked up by the kidneys and it's broken down as the urobilins and removed from the body, which is why it's yellow. There you go. He's asked a stupid question. We just slammed him with some actual science. Actual science. Suck on that, (laughs) you prick. Uh, Question number three. Uh, This one comes from Mr. Sean Lewis. Uh, No hello. No hello at the top, um, which is a bit cruel. Um, He just launches into it. And you know what? Respect. The subject line is in all capitals, lactose. Full stop. Intolerance. I need three good strategies for dealing with this fucking bullshit that my body has decided to pull on me. My primary lactose interaction is the one, brackets, or two coffees I have daily. Rules of engagement. Only one strategy is allowed to include swapping the milk out of my coffee. Thanks, bye. (laughs) It might just be the way that you read that, but I kind of heard it as like some sort of slam poetry. Uh, I'm assuming from the amount of capitals there that it was meant to be read dramatically. Nice. Uh, basically, so, poor Mr. Sean has a lactose problem. This has become quite a quite a uh, <laughs> quite a digestive episode um, in the amount yeah. of, <laughs> of bodily functions we've discussed. But that's okay. Stick with the theme and go with it. Um, how do you sub out uh, lactose? There's only one strategy allowed to include swapping the milk out of the coffee. I've got a good one here to get us started. Wait, what's his issue? He's, he's having milk in coffee. He's having a milk in his coffee. Why don't you just not have milk? Yeah, have a black coffee. That's a good one. That's not even swapping milk. Have a long black. Good start. Here's my suggestion if you do want to have milk in your coffee. Okay? Swallow like a Ziploc bag. And connect it to some sort of tubular sort of thing 
and dangle that through your throat like a sort of secondary bladder. (laughs) And then when you're drinking a coffee, like a sort of uh, spy who's drinking the poison chalice but not really swallowing it, what you want to do is get that coffee into your mouth, taste it, enjoy it, revel in it, but then put it in like your Ziploc bag kind of stomach and then just later drag that one out of your trachea, tip it in the bin. <laughs> brilliant, dude. That is brilliant. And that way you, you can have all of the benefits of drinking a nice coffee. All the benefits. And none of that problem of having lactose in there. Just swallow a bag. What can you drink, um, like almond milk or soy milk? Yeah, you can. Uh, what? Why don't people just drink that? Like it's the same. Yeah, I've I don't started. Get it. I started to drink soy milk in all my takeaway coffees because dairy, like cow milk, is agriculturally more impactful in terms of the amount of methane and stuff. In the same way that beef is an aggressive, um, you know, vir- environment unfriendly food. I've been drinking soy milk when I order out um, because I don't, I don't want to keep soy milk at home, <laughs> but I will use it when I'm out. They also, at, at risk of becoming too militant with this stuff lately, they, in order to produce milk, they have to keep the mother cow, mother cow pregnant for like ages, yeah, which is unnatural. And then they rip away the calf. Yeah, and cows are intelligent creatures. Creatures, they like. They'll go running. They'll like try and distract the mother and then take kidnap the calf and she'll go like screaming and running after it. It's like, yeah, like is the, if you like taste normal milk and taste soy milk, obviously there's a difference, but like, is, is the taste like that much? Is it worth that much? Yeah. Probably not. So I suppose my question to you, Sean, is why you are a horrible monster? Why do you enjoy... (laughs) savagely mistreating cows out of your stubborn resistance against subbing in a decent milk for this dairy one. And Coincidentally, that was my email after this was just, <laughs> why is Sean Follow such a monster? Rita Sean. Yeah. Um, so I suppose the answer is just don't drink it would be one of the easy ways. <laughs> don't abstinence is the, uh, yeah, is the best use, uh, the best medicine. Man. Use the uh, the pull out method, which is what I call my Ziploc bag in the stomach method. Yeah, that's what yours is. Yeah, <laughs> pull out method. Yeah, <laughs> um, isn't lactose intolerance also the one where you can take a pill? I'm pretty sure you can take a pill that adds lactase, and then it makes then it artificially breaks down the lactose in your stomach for you. You just add the enzyme in. So if you actually want to drink milk, you could have a lactase pill and that'll like fix you up. Yeah. I think um I think Sean's been Yeah, just a little bit weak. Selfish. Selfish as well. Uh, were you saying weak in the sense of your approach to eating gluten? Just tough it up, mate, why are you complaining? <laughs> exactly. I mean it's easy. You just sh- you're like you never shit consistently. But um, a change is as good as a holiday, to be honest. (laughs) And Michael brings it full circle. We're back to his diarrhea shits. Mm -hmm. Um, 
some good questions there today. I feel like we really stuff. we really got a sense about <laughs> listeners' um, intent and interests. Um, that's very good. How about a bit of science news? Fucking brilliant. It's that time. Time for science news. Oh, some good grooves. Oh, some good good grooves. Uh, good grooves. Got a bit of got a bit of a question here for you here, Michael. Yeah, this is a um, this is a user engagement um, portion of the uh, episode. You know, feel free to jump in. What is the closest planet to Earth? Ooh, the Moon. Not a planet. In the um, name there, isn't it? It is Mars, Venus. I have, some, I have some very interesting news for you. The closest planet to Earth is Mercury. The closest planet right on now. average, no, 46% of the time, the closest planet to Earth is Mercury. Venus what? is only closest 36% of the time and Mars is closest just 18% of the time. The reason for this is all of these planets are moving in orbits, right? And yes, there are times in which those planets are very close, but because they're moving at different speeds around the sun, they are actually not always on the same side of the sun as the Earth is. Makes sense. It makes sense. So most of the time, more revolutions, more revolutions, more likely to catch up with the Earth. And Mm. for 46% of the time, it's our closest planet, in the solar system. Very good science news. Very and good science news indeed. If you, listener at home, click on the chapter title, you'll get to see an amazing GIF which actually shows this in action, which is quite hypnotic and very enjoyable. So I encourage everyone to jump in and, and click the chapter header now and just watch this 16-second GIF <laughs> because it really, you know, it's just science is cool, man. It's a 16-second thing a GIF. Is a sex scene a gif? That's what you just said. Um, What did you say? I was just just asking the question, does a 16-second anything constitute a gif? Well, gif is just the format, so yes. I've watched gifs that are like two minutes long. Not all all questions are intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Mercury's going mental. Going mental. It's like zipping around like a crazy thing. That is very interesting, actually, because I I was on my I was walking home the other day and I saw Jupiter and the Jupiter was really bright. It was like all it was like really close to the moon. So I've just I've just been thinking about this, and also while I was looking at the Jupiter and the moon on this empty street. Next to a tree, the biggest bat of all time <laughs> decided to drop and fly out. I felt its wings 
in your the, hair. The, the, the air of the wings flapping. Spaces. Spaces. <laughs> okay. Crazy, Sorry, man. I was waiting for that to sort of be relevant. <laughs> no, it was just a thought. It was just a thought. <laughs> but that story was basically, speaking of planets, I was outside one night and a bat came at me. That was, It's not quite... It's not quite at the same caliber of science news as our normal installments, but, you know, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Just, I did just, say it was an audience comment. participation round. It's just a comment. <laughs> sometimes I start a sentence, I don't know where it's going. Sometimes, sometimes it you hits. You didn't know that was going to end up don't. in your bat story? I honestly had no idea. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it. It was just tangential. Like, I thought, oh, that did happen. The bat thing did happen. It's not... No, I'm not saying it was fictional. I'm just surprised that you were like, yeah, so I was outside and I saw Jupiter and then you didn't, that wasn't as set up for your bat story. No, but I was, I was, I was thinking about, I was going back in time and thinking about me looking at Jupiter and the moon and then I remembered that a bat came into my, in my memory. Well, I'm so excited that this was... um this was something that you felt willing to share with us. Um, I appreciate the <laughs> appreciate the inclusion. I was like, like, I'm an actual child. That's what a child would say. Daddy, <laughs> oh, I, went I was outside looking at, at the night. moon, and then oh, and then a bat came out. <laughs> and then he takes a swig from his beer. Um, while we're in the topic of space, shall we do um, one more little bit of science news? Yes, please. Um, so, this was a uh, this was a article on uh, SETI.org, one of the coolest websites, of course. Um, basically, it's it's a pretty difficult thing, right, to try and spot an alien. Uh, Correct. And here, I'll read this little part of the um, the article here. This is by Seth Shostak, senior astron- senior astronomer. It's often said that the search for aliens is too parochial, that our continuing efforts to locate cosmic radio broadcasts or laser beams are really just quests for analogues of ourselves. Why so? Well, these efforts presume that extraterrestrials have enough curiosity to reach out to others in the galaxy, or at least send messages skyward for their own purposes. These are motives that we can understand because our descendants might do something similar. But what about truly advanced beings? What would a higher-than-high-tech society do that others in the galaxy might notice? This is worth thinking about because broadcasting might not be their thing. One possibility is that they would build or rearrange big stuff. In other words, engage in civil engineering on the scale of planets or larger. That would produce the kind of artefacts that astronomers might hope to see with their telescopes. So, basically, this hypothesis is super advanced civilizations out there might be well beyond the idea of like sending out radio broadcasts or newscasts to the galaxy, right? So what can we look for that would be representative of really advanced life that isn't, you know, a a radio message or a communication? And this hypothesis basically says a giant, you know, galaxy-sized infrastructure project, (laughs) basically, um, i.e. collecting, looping, moving planets um, and stockpiling them as a kind of energy resource or material resource. The idea being that 
everyone knows that the universe is expanding. Stars and galaxies are spreading away from each other farther and farther. Um, an alien populace might see this kind of thinning of the cosmos as an existential threat because stars are energy sources. They give off heat. They contain metals and minerals and elements. There's hundreds of billions of them in each galaxy, but they're sort of spreading further and further away. So this is the hypothesis. Aliens would have the foresight to grab these stars while they're still around and basically snag them from galaxies and park them in their backyards for future use. Kind of like a, like a, a bunker full of like canned food for the future needs of their civilization. So the <laughs> scientists are suggesting that one of the ways we can look for life that isn't the transmission of signals or radar is by planets and stars being carried off and dumped together to um, prepare for the expansion of the universe. I think that's an ambitious theory, isn't it? <clears throat> no more ambitious, I mm. suppose, than hunting for, you know, a tiny little speck of radiation or something in the middle of the... You're talking about moving a planet. Yeah, but, you know, isn't that... That's not an impossible well, problem, is it? I'm genuinely thinking of a lasso. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd need... Mm. You need a hell of a lot of energy, right? Maybe you could create... Maybe you could create something that had gravitational mass in order to affect other giant masses. Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing about super advanced societies is if a project like this takes a billion years, well, maybe a billion years doesn't mean anything to them. Maybe that's, you know, that's just like a 30-year infrastructure plan here on Earth. And you're just like, oh, yeah, we'll get it done. Like, what does it matter if it's a really slow process, but it's there for the the future? That, like, the, the sense if... of time scales is, is completely, like, super important here as well. Do you, so do you think it's possible that if there was another civilization out there that they might be experiencing time on a different rate than we do? Uh, I assume so because time is relative, right? And it's sub subjective based on the perception of the, the subject, right? So I just if you're don't in, understand because it's like... If you're in gravity, like in a, in a black hole time moves at a different speed than outside. You know, think interstellar, right? But I, just, um, I, I couldn't get my head around that. I don't know what that means. Because when he's still in the thing, like it's still like a second. Like a second is a second. It's just like a it's But a, a second's only a second from the perspective of the person. Um, I, I, I'm specifically comparing the, um, the moment where they go down to get the crashed ship from the wavy planet and they leave a person upstairs on the like floating in orbit, um, and they come back and it's been like sixteen years for that dude. Do you remember that part? He's like aged while they were down on the planet. Yeah, so I do remember that. That that was like all of the physics in Interstellar are based on real physics concepts. But wouldn't they be having have, have having to be traveling at the faster than the speed of light for that? But I, I just I can't get my head around them. Not, you don't not have to travel faster than the speed of light because time is a dimension 
in the same way as, you know, up, down, left, right, in, out. Um, so time is perverted by objects with huge gravity. Think of that, like that uh, metaphor they use of like a rubber sheet with like heavy steel balls in it that distort space time around it. Mm-hmm. So time, time is distorted by heavy objects. But um, what is that? How does your body know that? Your body, your body, know your body doesn't know anything. Your body is just ex- existing in this dimension. And that dimension is like your perception of it is like a second is a second is a second. But that you, the second for you is moving, you know, 120 times faster than the second of the person up on the ship, or vice versa. Hmm. And they actually Ben sent me a link saying that they are close to taking a picture of the first black hole. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to know what sort of astrophysics. Um, principles or discoveries we make in our lifetime because there's a lot of really interesting stuff going away i don't know if we'll ever find confirmation of alien intelligence i think there's a pretty decent chance we'll find confirmation of extraterrestrial life and like a microbe form Um, but all these big sort of theories about you know space time and the universe and that kind of thing i hope there's some some pretty exciting developments on the way I was thinking the other day that like I don't I I really like want to see where the what the future brings in terms of like technology and like our evolution as a species like I feel that now and like when I get to like if I get to like 80 years old I can just imagine that that feeling's only going to be even stronger because because if technology technology's um moving exponentially then it's just going to open up like i'm trying to imagine myself as an 80 year old man and like what kind of gadgets and shit am i going to have around me it's going to be fucking yeah. crazy it's going to be unrecognizable to yeah. how i'm living now as a as a 30 year old man yeah and and just if just, I'm like, interrupt, oh, just like briefly yeah. just think because you're 30 now right think about the yeah. technological progress that has been made since the 1980s when you were born to yeah. now, right? The 30 years which has gone from computers the size of buildings to like smartphones in your pockets. Think about the next 50 years, you know, how far that's going to be. It's um, it's pretty totally, wild. Yeah. The, I, I really believe that we have lived through the biggest techno- technological revolution ever. Yeah, I think just I, by virtue of the fact that we we jumped from we were here when computers became a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's the most important job. Like the 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 chances of us being born at that time are ridiculous. Like this is one of the most exciting times ever to be alive. Got to find a way to remind myself that, and like every day, it's a good way to beat your malaise, is, isn't it? In a way, it is. Yeah. But I mean, I'm trying to imagine myself as like on, on my deathbed as an 80 year old man, and just mean like, there's gonna be so much shit around. There's gonna be so many discoveries. There's gonna be so much stuff that's happened. So many presidents would have gone. Yeah. And I'll my thirst then for because my mind would be 
would have been expanded from all this te technology and stuff. It's only, I'm only going to want to know more and dying is going to be so tough because I'm just going to want to know all the other stuff. But what will that... the Game Boy 10 look like? <laughs> exactly, man. PlayStation 15. <laughs> I need to see that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. It's, death is going to be like Velcro. Like, for what? Me, I think. Like it just it was gonna sound good if you didn't question it, <laughs> but I don't death, understand it. Death, death is like Velcro. You're not meant to understand it. That's the best. <laughs> most, Wait, the is cleverest that, is that things the, is that the phrase? The cleverest things are never understood completely. What <laughs> is that the phrase? Death is Velcro. Death is like Velcro. Is Velcro. You're not meant to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this kind it's of actually, thing, oh. <laughs> saying that because I we almost had a clean break and I didn't let it go. Yeah. <laughs> One day, it's part of it is the lag. There's a slight lag. I'm not, blame, here, I'm here, not blaming you. I know, I know, I know. But I just want but, you to know that I hear it too. Okay. And I'm not intending to. I would also like I'd be, if you were here in the flesh, I'd be able to read your body language. We'd both feel the moment, and then we could slide into a nice outro. But I'm, I'm afraid that's just a luxury we don't have at this point. <laughs> Nick, maybe one day. It's very eloquent. If you've enjoyed this kind of thing, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> then you can find more at deepfort.podbean.com. You can find it at facebook.com slash deepfort, twitter.com slash deepfort, and you can jump onto iTunes and leave us a five-star, five-year review. Just sum up every episode for the past five years. Let us know, you know, which ones were your favorites, which ones were your least favorites, what we should be doing going forward. Um, just give us a bit of summary for all 113. Uh, you promised us another game. All right. New game. Um, okay, you guessed the Rotten Tomatoes score oh, yes. of a, a movie. You did tease right. this. Uh-huh. Does it have a name? It's called the Rotten Tomatoes game. Love it. Does it have a jingle? Um, I'm picturing a little bit kind of like heavy metal. Like kind of like, Rotten Tomatoes! Rotten Tomatoes! Nailed it, dude. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I was so not thinking of heavy metal as well. I was thinking of like Moby X esque, <laughs> like an electronic, like kind of drum beat, a bit washy pad. Yeah. You, you know, it's, but, it's important no, to I have some diversity. Run and tell my dolls. Run and tell my dolls. It's like Japanese. It does metal. sound like, like a death metal name. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, your first movie. First movie, Supersize Me. Supersize Me. All right, play along at home, and everyone. Guess the rating of Supersize and that's, Me. And that's a, and that's a, and that's a, and that's an. Uh oh, he's broken. I'm just going to do that again. Ask me what the movie is. What's the first movie, Michael? Supersize Me, and that's an order. That's like a, uh, a dark place delivery. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think that is. I remember it being rather well reviewed, so I'm going to say it's in. I think it's like eighty three percent. I I think as well. I think I'm going to go eight 
eighty percent. Okay, you're gonna look it 80%. up. Eighty percent, ninety-two. Wow, even better than I remembered. Yeah, I don't remember it being that good. I quite also, liked Morgan it, but... Spurlock has has kind of shown himself to be a bit of a hack though recently, hasn't he? How? What, what's he been up to? He's done. Um, he's done like a few like cannabis ones. Hasn't he? He did Mansum or McLeibel. Actually, he's got very well-rated movies. Maybe I need to go back. He just looks like a twat. <laughs> That's the main problem. Well, what I remember from 92%. that movie is that uh, Morgan Spurlock, before he starts his eating McDonald's every day sort of routine, he goes to the, um, the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, you keep in pretty good shape. And Morgan's, Morgan Spurlock says, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I used to have an eight-pack. I, <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's a weird thing to bring up unprompted, Morgan. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, don't say eight-pack. Don't say eight-pack? <clears throat> Never say eight-pack. Why? You just like you're like okay, even a six pack's too far. An eight pack is just yeah, you're you're going too you, you. It's more than a humble brag at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Flubber. 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 Fuck yes. I love that movie. Do you remember McDonald's did like a little promotion for that? Nope. (laughs) And they gave like a little flubber toy. Was it like soft putty, like one of those like gack kind of like? No, it wasn't. It wasn't flubber. It was like there was like a disc, uh, kind of like a, uh, kind of looked like one of those vacuum cleaner things, but it flew. A vacuum cleaner thing, but it, it was like flew. yellow, and it talked to you and stuff. What? What? Are you, what? From the movie? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that movie at all. I haven't Love seen that. it in twenty five years, probably. I'm looking this up because... Oh, Weebo. Weebo. Do you remember Weebo? The name sounds familiar now that you say it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do remember that. And I do remember the McDonald's toy. That's so strange. You do? Yeah, I do. Now that you showed me a picture of it, I do remember that. Um, um, I reckon pretty... I reckon 36%. Oh, no. I think it's more like... I think it's like a 65 Really? Yeah. I think it would be one of those, like, yeah, it's acceptable family entertainment, but it's not, like, setting the world on fire. Ho! 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 You've nailed it. No. 24%. Really? 24%. Real negative. One all. We are keeping score, by the way. Oh, shit. Here's the thing I'm more surprised by. 32% audience score. I really thought that would be one of those like nostalgia nineties yeah, films that goes back with the, you know, all the fans watching it. Six hundred and twenty-four thousand people have rated it. Thirty-two percent liked. That's very. That's a lot lower than I expected. That is very. That is very low. Hmm. Also, who's retroactively going back and reviewing? As an audience, <laughs> I'm sure that there's at least 630,000 people. Zero Dark Thirty. I think it won an Oscar. I oh, know it didn't. It was definitely nommed. Yeah, no, it did. Didn't um, didn't what's her face? 
Jim Cameron's it's the Hurt Locker. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, the Hurt Locker. Shit. Yeah. Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you for saying that because I was thinking the Hurt Locker. Zero Dark Thirty. You know what's weird? I was thinking the Hurt Locker. So you you weren't thinking Zero Dark Thirty either. Should we just I make thinking, it the Hurt Locker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's somehow yeah, no. harder. I just realized I was like, what the fuck is the. Yeah, the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. Jer- Jeremy Renner. Uh, I'm gonna. That was pretty well reviewed. I'm gonna say that's uh, 88. percent mm-hmm. This will make and break us, I think. Um, I'm gonna go nine, 90 percent. Okay, that's 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 a little bit of cruel. Uh, that you're gaming the system there. No, I mean, that, well, I've, as got in that, two, I've got two options. That's game theory, I've got two isn't options. it? Yeah. You're just trying to you're, you're trying to position yourself for a win. I mean, I'm not here to make friends, Nick. Ninety-seven <laughs> percent. Jeez, yeah, that that should have been. Obvious. And then eighty-four. I'm forgetting as well because the thing with Rotten Tomatoes is not rating; it's like thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. So I need to think more generally here. Do okay. you use Do you use Metacritic or? I use Metacritic way more than Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I should. I should use Metacritic yeah, I, more. I, I just don't. feel like Rotten Tomatoes is like, it's just, it's just louder. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's also more like, I think it's probably more, more truthful to audience opinion in a weird way because it is like thumbs up, thumbs down. You get your, your general sense of a film based on Rotten Tomatoes is probably more likely to be accurate. Than your general that's, sense that's of also yeah i do feel that as well yeah um because you get a picture of the ratio of liked it to not like it more than here's what the number ascribed to it was yeah um uh, did you end up saying f- bohemian Rap- rhapsody by the way no i didn't i watched but. a half hour um, deconstruction of the bad editing of it though oh yeah i, I watched enjoyed. that too <laughs> and it won best editing i know it's At pretty the amazing it's pretty funny um, my second film for you. Mm. Uh, the kids are all right. Great movie. Um, I think a solid 88%. 88%? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was going to go yeah. more in the like 75 range. I think that was up for best picture as well. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Bit of Mark Ruffalo, bit, bit of, of Ruff, uh, Julianne, Julianne Moore, Moore, bit of Annette Benning, bit of the Ben. Oh shit! I need to look this one up. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell if you were. No, I wasn't. Ninety-three percent. Boom! You are better at this than I am. Ninety-three percent. Yeah, that's a very well-regarded film. Well, I've already won, but uh, just for shits and giggles. Got one more for you, just to regain some. Mm, I don't know. No, integrity. I could still win this if I win you yours can't. and mine. I'm three one. Exactly. If I win yours and mine, I could tie. Oh yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Once again, celebrated too early. <laughs> um, okay, the hot chick, starring the hot chick. your mate Rob Schneider. <laughs> I don't even know this film. I don't even. You don't. What year? Can you tell me what year it was? The hot chick. I don't. Okay, fine. I take it back. 
No, no, no. Right. Let's stick to it. But just no. If you don't know it, there's no point. All right, okay. I've got another one. I've got a backup one. Okay, Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> uh, the one with the Kevin James. You know they've made a sequel to that. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. Twenty-two percent. Oof. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go 30%. Okay. Just to be nice. 32%. Jeez, you got that real close. And audience score of 43%. I'm surprised by that. More people liked Paul Blart than liked Flubber. That's fucked. That's the problem with society. Okay, you've won won this game. Um, Here's my last film for you. Mm -hmm. Spirited Away. Oof. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm gonna say ninety-seven percent. Oh, oh, oh! man, what? Ninety-seven percent. Oh, you nailed it. That's got a hole in one as well, so you get two points. So you actually, we actually drew. We actually, nope. That's still not how math works. That's four three. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fun game. Good. You can did play I, along did at home. I, that last one was yeah. basically me just wanting to tell everyone to go watch Spirited Away. It's a really good movie. It is a phenomenal movie. Yeah, apparently they're making Akira. Yeah, but that's did not the Gib- that? that's not Studio Ghibli, is it? Uh, what the what the Ghibli? Who's making Akira? I don't know. <laughs> okay, James. so you just brought that up because it's like a Japanese. Is that? It's like, like yeah, they're both like animated. <laughs> okay, 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 yeah, okay, okay. You know, I could, sort, I could sort of. If you liked Spirited Away, you might like Akira. I suppose that's. I suppose yeah. that's true. I suppose there you that's go. true. Wasn't being you were trying to catch me out in a racism. <laughs> On a racism. You were, to, you were trying to point out a racism. But you got away with it again. <laughs> <laughs> like a thief in the night. 